You've tuned into Tomcat Tales, the story of Ashland's legends from the gridiron, the court, the diamond, and beyond. It's a deep dive into Ashland Tomcat sports history. Now, here's your host, Mark Maynard. Welcome back to Tomcat Podcast, and we're glad you joined us today. I have a, a special guest with me all the way from Florida, and that is Larry Castle. And Larry, uh, for those who, who may not know him, may not remember him, he played in the 1950s for the Tomcats, late 50s, played basketball and baseball, had one of the better senior seasons of, of any player in Tomcat history when, when you look back at it, and the, the statistics certainly reveal that. He also uh, was a, a coach for national champions in, in tennis, and he coached high school basketball and uh, I think some college basketball maybe. I'm not sure about that. We'll get into that. Anyway, uh, Larry, good to have you uh, on the show. Thanks, Mark. Uh, it is a pleasure uh, for me to be able to talk with you. And I've kept up with all your podcasts so far, and uh, I find them very interesting and you know, I hope we can talk about some things today that that uh, people can relate to and uh, will be interested in. Uh, before I get to telling my wild and woolly tales, uh, I want to say thank you for what you do. Uh, I talk to a lot of the guys that, uh, you know, from Ashland that I play ball with, and we've kept contact. Howard Humphreys and I talk uh, quite often uh, a couple times a month usually and usually the first thing we get out of the way is did you see what mark's doing and <laughs> have you been keeping up with this and with that that's mark's doing and uh i talked with david Patton and gary wright and lee hart and dick fillmore and uh, just a bunch of the guys and the conversation if it doesn't start with usually gets around to you know what mark's doing and we we all appreciate it it's you're kind of a a link for many of us, you know, Howard's in Texas and Patton's in Georgia and Gary's down here in Florida and I'm in Florida. And, uh, our link with Ashland and the Tomcats and everything is, is basically you. And, uh, of course, you know, I've said this before, I, I at the CP one induction a couple of years ago, I, uh, I, I said, Mark Maynard is the Tomcat most valuable player. Mark Maynard <laughs> is Ashland, Kentucky, most valuable player. And, I haven't changed my mind about that. I always think that, and it's not just sports. Uh, you're involved in so many really wonderful and meaningful things. Uh, and I just wanted to say that to get it off the top because uh, that's where it's at. Well, I appreciate that very much. I, it's, uh, I've, I've really been uh, pleased with the, how the, the podcast has gone. I didn't, didn't know that much even about podcasts until I started kind of doing one. And, uh, we are we've reached into 26 states and, and actually eight countries uh, yeah. since we started this, and uh, that's that's pretty cool when you think about it. There's, oh. there's tomcats everywhere, you know. Yeah, I've enjoyed all of them, and of course I can really relate to Howard and uh, Herb and Dick and uh, uh, right. John Koskin was a, a senior when I uh, was a uh, sophomore, and I know all about him. Been very proud of everything the guys have done, and actually right. just churns out. <laughs> You know, uh, really, really uh, important and respected people, and Koskinen is a good example. Oh yeah, for sure. We we look into the looking into the fifties here, and and I'm, I I think that is an interesting time frame in uh, in Ashland history. A lot of a lot of great athletes that came through then. Of course, Ashland was probably at its biggest during the fifties uh, population wise. 
So Ashland was the the big kid on the block. Uh, but you guys ran into some, you know, some tough teams at, at Clark County and Mount Sterling and and Olive Hill that were that were, you know, just as good and and uh, probably some of their better teams, you know, during that time. Your career started in in fifty six fifty six fifty seven. Uh, three sophomores made that team. It wasn't easy for a sophomore to make the team back then, but you and, and Herb Conley and Dick Fillmore made the basketball team. Uh, what, what was that like? Well, uh, it was an amazing thing. Uh, we had summer practice between our ninth grade and tenth grade year. It was summer practice slash tryouts. I don't know even whether that's legal anymore or not, but it was legal then, and we had it in Coach Lavoy. I don't know. We must have had 40 guys or so in the gym that summer. And uh, for the varsity squad, there was 12, uh, eight seniors, one junior, and he picked uh, Dick and Herb and I. And uh, I, I don't know, we were almost always a threesome. Even though I went to Coles and they went to Putnam, we, we did a, a lot of things, you know, the same. We played on a lot of the same baseball teams, et cetera. And uh, I, I don't know what his reasoning was, but he didn't have – but one junior on the team, and uh, but I was I was thrilled and delighted because I had always <laughs> I'd always just been uh, uh, a Tomcat uh, supporter, and I went to every game I could, even in grade school. My dad would take me, and uh, I had so many heroes. And to be on the varsity myself uh, as a sophomore was uh, was very important in my life. Who were the guys you kind of looked up to, you know, leading uh, up? I've got so many heroes, it's unbelievable. But, uh, you know, I'd have to start with Brother Atkins and, and that bunch. And even before that, Eve Woods. Uh, I was aware of uh, John Eggleston and Jeep Clark, but uh, I really got into it with the uh, uh, 54 team with Brother and, and some of those. And then Bill Gray came along and Jerry Anderson and uh, then George Carroll, of course, Bill Kazee and then George Carroll. And, I guess my biggest hero was George because, uh, uh, you know, I was in the ninth grade when he was a senior and uh, I had actually played a lot of alley ball with him. We played all all over Ashland every time we could find the court. And uh, I, I just loved watching him play and I could relate to kind of the way he played cause I, and I tried to play like him. Uh, he, yeah, let, let's, let's talk about him just a little bit. He uh... – I think he's somebody that that gets lost sometimes in national history, uh, but he he could shoot it. I mean, uh, probably as well as anybody. And I know we have talked some before, and you've written some posts on Facebook and things. But I'd like to talk about that uh, the Car Creek game as well. Right. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't know why George doesn't get the credit he deserves, uh, the late George Carroll, but. Uh, I, I think he's the best shooter that's ever played at Ashland. Uh, and he he earned it because I've never seen uh, anyone that liked to shoot the basketball in practice. I mean, you know, George would shoot uh, every day, several times a day at different places. And uh, But he was not only a great passer, he was a good athlete. Uh, he was a great team guy, and he could score. I mean, the Car Creek game was a good example. My dad and I were sitting right on the front row of that game, row of that game, and uh, George got uh, 52 points that night. And uh, they, it was just step across the the uh, center court line a couple of steps in, and 
and he'd let it go. And uh, he, he was not missing that night. He even made a running hook shot that night. And uh, everybody was just, <laughs> you know, we were just awestruck with, with what he did. And it's been well documented, but the Globetrotters and, uh, were there, and they were just amazed by him. And, and Coach Rupp was there with Coach Lancaster, and they were amazed by him. Why he didn't go to Kentucky, I don't know, because he was good enough to play, and some of the guards they played right after his time, George was much better than they were. Mm. Uh, that, that, tell that story, too, uh, for people who may not have heard it, about when, uh, of course, it was a, a huge crowd, the Globetrotters in town, and, and the game was at the Armory. And right. uh, did they play the first game, the Globetrotters, or did they play after you, you guys? They played, a, they played after. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, so huge crowd there. So and Rupp and Harry come. So you take it from there. Yeah, uh, they came in late actually, and uh, uh, they were, you know, they didn't have a seat, and they were uh, escorted uh, in by some of the officials of the, the high school, and uh, I don't remember who it was. It was probably uh, uh, one of the coaches, or it was maybe even the principal. But they were they were given good seats and everything. And uh, the Globetrotters were sitting pretty much right behind where we were sitting in the middle of the court. Now, back then, it changed a lot, but back then the team sat on the ends. Uh, and they were on the left side and, and us in the middle. We had uh, the Globetrotters sitting behind us, and, and the comments they made were amazing. They could not believe George Carroll. They called him Golden Arm and Golden Boy and things like that. And uh, uh, it was just one of those uh, shows that uh, that we see uh, once in a lifetime, and I, I've seen basketball and coached it and played it my whole life. I've never seen a shooting demonstration like that. He, you, you, you've told me before too that his shot seldom touched the rim, you know, and and the net sometimes <laughs> yeah. were kind of long, and they would they would flip back up and get caught on the rim, and uh, I'll, you take it from there. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, well, he he was so true that night with his shots that everything was was all net, didn't even hit the rims, and uh, it would flip the longer nets up on the rim, and they'd get caught up on top of the rim. The net would. So as Ashland was going back down to, on the defensive end, Coach Lavoy would walk out. His our bench was the Ashland bench was right under that, and he's six nine, so he just reached up just a slight tiptoe and pull the net back down. George and Ashland would come back down the court. George would make another long jump shot. Net would go back up again. Lavoie would go out again and take it down. must have happened eight or ten times. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it, it is unusual. I know uh, uh, Bobby Shepard, of course, played for, for Car Creek, and he ended right. up going to Kentucky, and he was yeah. in, in that game as well. And obviously he didn't score 52, and – and the Tomcats beat Car Creek that night, ninety-two seventy-eight or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, ninety-two to eighty-five, I think. But yeah, so yeah. high scoring game for sure. So right. uh, you know, the of course the fans probably were coming for the Globetrotters, but they got a, they might have got a better show from George Carroll that night. Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I I don't even remember whether we stayed for the whole second game or not, uh, because yeah, <laughs> that was the show that night for sure. He. It's interesting that record stood till I think Marty Thomas broke it in in um, 1993, 92 or 93. I think it's 93, 
Uh, he scored 54 uh, against uh, somewhere in, in uh, Tennessee. Shoot, what's the first town in Tennessee you hit? I can't remember the name of it now. Anyway, uh, he, he hit he hit uh, he hit 54 in that game. And that's an amazing number of points. Uh, you know th- that year, George uh, Carroll averaged 24.3 points a game, and that was the all-time record uh, to that point. Right. And uh, a few years later, a guy named Larry Castle got close. He was uh, yeah. year average 23.3, which stood as number two until again our friend Marty Thomas uh, overtook you. Uh, yeah, and he I don't even think Marty shot threes either. <laughs> no, no, yeah, he did. He had threes. Oh, did he shoot uh, threes? Okay. He, he wasn't a three-point shooter though. He, yeah, most That's of his. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, most of his work was inside. They had the three-point shot, and he had a few. But uh, Marty was, you know, he was a great player, great scorer. He has, he has two of the top three uh, scoring marks in in national history, and he's their uh, all-time scoring leader and all that. So right, uh, he, right. he had a great career, of course, but. Uh, that's interesting, and and of course you you make the team the next year, and, and you know as as it happens, sophomores don't play, you know very often, and um, you probably heard on the podcast the the, the story of uh, uh, of what happened on the initiation night when uh, they were going to throw Herb Conley in the swimming pool, and uh, that didn't work out either. I don't guess. Well, it's funny how those stories. I've heard a lot of stories, and I've, and I've told a lot of stories, and it, you. You wonder, okay, where were they when that happened? Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, that that uh, we had played Bowling Green College High uh, the night before, and we went back to uh, uh, we were playing Caverna the next day, and uh, we were at the motel, uh, and uh, Robert and Don Wellman and some of them, all the seniors probably, uh, I had got. I, I did get to play a lot against College High because we were killing them. So Herb Dick and I all got to play a lot. And I got hurt that game. I got ran into from behind. Probably had a torn meniscus, but, you know, mm. they didn't do that back then. And uh, so I had to go to the, the doctor the next day. Coach LeBoy took me, and he had a big bandage on my leg. So we were in our room, and the seniors all came in. And they said, we're throwing you in the pool. Well, Herb jumped up on the uh, bed, and he said, you're not throwing me in the pool. <laughs> and uh, Dick followed fairly close behind him. Uh, Herb was ready to battle. Dick was reluctant, but he was going to jump up there with <laughs> Herb. And I was so happy I had my bandage on. But I, didn't have, I, was, I was not a fighter. and uh, But I, I, I was sitting there, and, man, it, they went to war. Don Wellman and Herb mainly, and then Robert and... And uh, Dick was throwing his in, and it was a standoff, really. And uh, most of us were watching, Howard and Don Church and Dale Griffith. We were all just watching. Coach LaVoy came in. Door opened, he came in. And he all he saw was Herb up there just throwing people around and Dick. And he says, and and he blamed it all on, on the sophomores. And But he gave me a pass because I was sitting there with a, with a bad leg. But he was ready to send those two guys home on the bus that night. Wow, but Robert uh, Wright, who was our diplomatic uh, team <laughs> member and our leader and everything, he ta- he talked to Coach Lavoie and he said this was our fault. It was an initiation, wasn't their fault, wasn't the sophomore's fault. And so uh, Coach Lavoie, he you know he probably would have would have done some kind of discipline, but he wasn't the kind of guy that was going to take away your basketball career or anything. 
Right. You, he was upset you, at the time, but he wouldn't have really done anything, I don't think. You uh, in that that game, uh, by the way, you scored your first Tomcat point. I uh, did. I scored four points that game, and uh, you know, ironically, it was on the same court at Western that I, I played my four years of college basketball at. And, how about that? How about yeah, that? Same court. So, so anyway, of course, the you you scored uh, eight points your your uh, sophomore year. Didn't play a whole lot, obviously, uh, and that was a pretty good team. You guys went twenty-one and six. Um, oh yeah, you know, and, if it hadn't have been for those guys yeah. uh, getting off the team, we would have, I think, gone a long way. Yeah, Don Don Church and and uh, Robert Wright and Robert Wright uh, were were kicked off the team, kind of really more than midway through, actually toward the end. Actually, the it was after the last game. That's been mis misreported too, mm. because we played Huntington Central our last game of the year, and they were on the team. The next game was the first game of the district, and they were oh, on okay. the team. Yeah. So that was, yeah, so, wow. That, and, you know, you guys played Russell um, earlier in that season and, and beat them pretty handily, 78-55. And uh, Russell ends up beating 70-64. And I've heard, and I don't know if this is true, I, I can look it up and I will, uh, that maybe Stricker didn't play in that first first game for Russell. Um, uh, you know, uh, I don't remember whether he played or not, but I do remember that he was awesome in the district. Oh, yeah. He played them the second time. And they had a very, very good team. Uh, Jim yeah. Gallion was a great player, and, and he was on that team and right. went on to play for Marshall. And they had McKenzie and Willis at the guards. And they certainly were no slack. But Mickey got – Mickey Sandstrer got 36 or 38 points. And uh, without Robert, with Robert and Don, we would have won. Yeah. Without Robert and Don, we couldn't beat him. Yeah, was it Don? It was is Don. Was it Don Wellman or Don Church? Don. Don Church. Don Church, yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, yeah. of course, a, a big highlight that year, I think, was the AIT. You know. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. played at the Armory, and and uh, of course beat uh, beat Toothpick Jones at Maysville in the semis, eighty to seventy nine. Uh, right. And uh, then White Gap and. And Charlie Osborne, uh, 67, 64 in overtime. In overtime, yeah. And uh, just, you know, great, great, great team. Howard Humphrey, of course, was a senior that year. We mentioned him. He averaged 20.1 points a game. Howard could score it, couldn't he? Oh, Howard was a player. Uh, I was lucky enough to get to play with Howard at Coles. I was a seventh grader on the varsity when he was a ninth grader. So I saw what he could do, you know, from early on. And uh, he was steady. He was clever. He was a great competitor, and yeah. uh, his senior year, uh, yeah, he was just outstanding. I've often said that if we had gone to state, you know, it's hard to make all state if you don't go to state. Yeah, very few do. But Howard, if we had gone to state, Howard would have made all state first team. Well, no, no question. He he was the uh, he was Tom leading scorer in seventeen of the twenty seven games that year. So that, right. That, that tells you a little bit right there. Anyway, right. great player. Of course, he goes on to a, a good, you know, a good college career as well. So right. that kind of wraps up your your uh, your sophomore year. And really, uh, Larry, even your junior year, uh, you're you're still not playing a lot uh, at I this mean, point. Are you not right. scoring a lot? I don't know if you're playing a lot, but um, uh, so you know you're. But you are playing more. You know, you scored right. seventy six points uh, that junior year. And and you have a new coach, Bob Boy. Did he just leave, or he, uh, or did he? Was he forced out, or what was the story there? 
Well, uh, I think he was forced out. Uh, he, he wound up quitting because sometimes they just make it so hard on you, you want to quit. Right. And it was basically, it's a long, long story, but it was basically unfair that Don and Robert got kicked off the team. Okay. Uh, there's probably a story behind that because as much as I love Coach LaVoy, he he was an acquired taste. A yeah. lot of people in Ashland didn't like him. Yeah. Uh, the, his players loved him. Uh, but he would tell the administration what he thought, and he would wind up doing what he wanted to do. And in Ashland, particularly with the administrators we had then, you, you didn't do that. Uh, I don't know whether... Don and, and uh, Robert were scapegoats or what, or they had to, but they got kicked off of the team and there wasn't any getting yeah. them back on. The administration wouldn't let them back on. Um, and so Bob LaVoy quit. Yeah. And, Interesting. Uh, yeah. And, and of course, uh, Fred Anthem uh, comes in. Fred's a great football coach. I mean, uh, you know, he knew, he knew that game very well. Um, and I, I don't know if he was just kind of plugged into that position or you know i know how that goes sometimes and uh that that may well be in the case you know uh, with him i don't know well his first year there he was coaching assistant football coach right uh, and the reviews on his football coaching was really good yeah All the guys you know raved about it oh yeah our baseball coach and no uh yeah his first year there my junior year and we mm. went to the state so mm. he, he did well in baseball and he also coached basketball. Probably the least experience he had of any sport in coaching uh, was uh, basketball. And he was uh, finding his way. There's no, he would be the first to admit it when we lost to Clark County in the regionals, uh, which we had beaten in double overtime in the regular season. We lost to them in the semifinals. They had beaten Olive Hill. We beat Clark County, uh, right. and Olive Hill beat us. So the three teams in our region were all in the top ten, and the three teams in our region uh, uh, we're all getting ahead. each we're, other. We're getting but ahead a little he bit. told that, the that, newspapers and everybody, let your Norton out, coach me. Right. Oh, uh, I, don't, I don't know about that, but I know it was a tough game. and uh, He wasn't quite ready right. uh, my junior year. Yeah, that the the games with Clark, uh, of course, that was their senior year. But and we'll we'll get into that right. shortly here. But this this year, um, you guys finished twelve and fourteen, and um, you know there's some new faces on the team, uh, and uh, you know new new leaders and that kind of thing. Uh, you you guys started off the season, uh, you could beat Calixburg by a point, seventy sixty nine, and then proceeded to lose the next five, and yeah, and that included a loss to Holy Family in AIP. Uh, and, yes. <laughs> and, and that probably didn't go over too well. <laughs> no, it didn't. We uh, we had 13 guys that started uh, at one time or another during the regular season. Uh, the first game of the first game, Patton and Ross and I all three started at Catlinsburg. We okay. played the whole first quarter. We were ahead four six points. Didn't play the whole rest of the game. I don't know why. But the only reason was uh, we rotated three teams uh, that game. And we kind of did that for a while. And Coach Anson could not really settle on a lineup. One of our best players was Telmage Everman. And Telmage Everman, uh, after the first game, 
hardly played the whole rest of the year. I don't really know why. Uh, It's just the way it was. So we were all kind of, yeah, we were all kind of in disarray that year. Uh, We did stabilize some uh, because uh, Coach Anson did decide on a lineup with about 10 or 12 or so games to go. And he started Patton and Ross and uh, Jim Harbison, Monty Campbell, and David McGuire. And they were doing well, and then he played Lee Hart quite a bit, and he played me quite a bit. Uh, and that's the seven he kind of decided on, and we did kind of stabilize more or less. Uh, you know, as, as you look through that season, uh, I mean, you're absolutely right, because uh, I'm looking here, you won, uh, like, you won eight of, um, eight of ten going into the district, and right. including you, you beat Calixburg 80 to 46 after beating them one point in the opener. You know, right. and you, we'll, you beat, beat Olivelle on the road, and you beat all, which was yeah quite quite the feat really to right. beat them uh, right. 58 56. Uh, you play um, Raceland first game of the district, and and you take care of them. Patton scored 17 in that game. You win 72 57. And then this this next game uh, is is probably the, uh, unfortunately for Ashland is, and you guys is probably the defining game uh, of of that season. You you played Booker T Washington, and I think that might be the only time Ashland ever played them. I, I yeah, think. I, I think you're right. And uh, yeah, the first game of the, of the district, uh, Paul Ross got hurt, and Paul was a very very mm-hmm. good guard. Patton and Ross were good guard combination, and uh, we really missed him. Uh, I played a lot that game. Uh, uh, Lee Hart played a lot that game. Uh, yeah, you, you scored nine then, that game. You scored yeah, nine against, yeah. uh, against them. Uh-huh. And that's the funny thing about it. Both of us had been playing a lot, and both of us had been doing pretty well. And then we played Booker T, and they did have a, a very talented team. Marshall Banks was an yeah. outstanding player. However, he got a technical foul called on him very early in the first quarter and got ejected. Nobody yep. knows why, uh, but he did. So we should have, even without Ross, we should have won that game. But yeah. we didn't. Uh, and Lee Hart, who was one of our mainstays as, a, as our sixth or seventh man, and me, we didn't play that game. I think I played ten seconds and Lee played zero. Wow. Uh, and we actually asked Coach Anson about that later, and he's a very honest man. I think a lot of him. And he said, I forgot about you. <laughs> and if he said he forgot about us, he did. Wow. That's and interesting. That's, we lost that game. And, yeah, I I think you're right because it was BTW. Yeah. That and the Holy Family game. Yeah, those two guys. Ashland's first loss to Holy Family also. Yeah. The, uh, and the BTW, I remember – of course, Marshall died just this week, um, yeah, uh, or last right. weekend, I guess. And um, I know uh, that was, uh, you know, he he was a great player for sure. And he, I remember interviewing him about that game, and he he was called for illegal tripping or something, and it's why they threw him out. He he said right. he didn't do it, and you know, of course, you know, the conspiracy theories go from there. Was, you know, uh, we're not going to let the black team win. Basically, is what you know they were. They, uh, they I were think playing. that. Might have played in it. I was sitting right. I had a good seat. I was sitting right on the bench. I didn't yeah. see anything. Yeah. Uh, so it was, and, it was interesting. You, 
you know Marshall Banks. I, I I find it hard to believe Marshall would on purpose try to trip anybody. No, right. He wouldn't. You know, That's the kind of guy he was. Anyway, they won 54-46, and then they lost to Russell the, the next night, so they didn't they didn't go to the regional. And the district was so right. many teams, you, you had to win a lot of games to get in there. So that right. kind of conclu- concluded your junior season. So let's, let's skip ahead to the senior season. And, uh, you know, it was a good year for you guys. You were you were 21-9, and nine, and I think Fred was probably getting his feet settled, you know, on on, on what uh, what he had and what this team could do. And right. as you already stated, you, you guys uh, – you went to Clark County, beat them in double overtime. You had 28 in that game, Larry. You you really exploded uh, as a senior. You became – it looks like you, you've grown a little bit. You're a little bit taller. And uh, so tell me about that year. You, you averaged 23.3 points a game after really – you hadn't even scored 100 points in your first two years. Right. Well, I, I did uh, – I was actually 6'1", and I, but I was 6'1 in the ninth grade. So – I, I think several things happened that year. I think it was, uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I played so much basketball. I mean, I was wall-to-wall basketball. And I played so much basketball that I was as good uh, physically my junior year as I was my senior year. But nobody really got much of a footing their junior year. Uh, coach, and, and through the first four or five games my senior year, I was still playing forward. And I was I was a guard. That was my natural position. But we had always had, you know, Herb and Dick, and I was the tallest, so I I played forward uh, most of the time. Uh, not in junior high, not in grade school, but after that. Uh, the emergence of Dean Church might have been the biggest thing that happened in my senior year because Dean was so good as a junior that he, he had to have playing time. So... Uh, he moved into my slot, and I moved out to guard after about four games. And Herman Dick were going to rotate at the other guard. And uh, uh, after that, we were a much better team. And the reason we that I started scoring, uh, I was averaging about 16 a game until uh, I moved out to guard. Uh, but uh, uh, I was the primary ball hammer. And Coach Anton had told me, uh, he set up out-of-bounds plays for me, so that he wanted me to put up uh, 18 to 25 shots a game. Well, that was music to my ears. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, that was right. Uh, you know, I, I was a shooter, but I was also a ball handler and a passer. and uh, So I started scoring a lot. I had like four or five straight games over 30 uh, right after I moved out to guard and uh, kind of set the tone for the rest of the year. But I'll be honest with you, that was a good team. And uh, we we lost only to really – we only had one bad loss. We lost in Inez uh, to a team that we were much better than. But Ashland can't beat Inez at Inez, and you know why. <laughs> <laughs> All the coaches of cousins are, are refereeing. Yeah, yeah. But other tough. than that, we didn't have any bad losses. Clark County was a great team. Olive Hill was a great team. Hazard was a great team. Covington Grant was a great team, and the Huntington teams we lost to, we split with both of them, but both of them were ranked in the top five in West Virginia. So, you know, we played everybody really well. We played well in the regional, and uh, uh, I I think it was a great year. Dick Fillmore and I played the guards. Uh, Herb, you know, Herb was a really 
and concentrating on his football. Yeah. And after he signed with the University of Kentucky, he knew he had to get bigger and stronger. And Herb's heart was really in the weight room, um, so he, he decided, you know, that he would just concentrate on getting fit to play at Kentucky and getting ready. Right. And uh, he dropped off on the basketball team early in the year. Yeah, like and in Dick and I played the guards oh. with Duke Moore playing mm-hmm. uh, some. And then we had uh, Monty at center, Monty Campbell, a great leaper, great player. Monty was a really good basketball player. Uh, we had Ditto Sparks at one forward. You know what a great shooter he was. Oh, yeah. And then we had Dean Church at the other forward with Warner Keynes playing an awful lot of ball for us. That's a, and, that's a really – that's a really talented team. I, I I see that stretch you're talking about. You had 33, 32, 33, 22, 30 in that. And that was like in a in a four-game, you know, five-game stretch there. That's right. probably one of the better stretches of an, for an individual in, in Tomcat history, really. And, Don uh, McGill wrote that the, the, the uh, three straight over 30 was a school record at that time. I don't know. Oh, I, there's no I'm question sure, about that. Yeah. I'm sure no Marty question. Thomas – Busted out all the pieces, but <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, it, I don't it was that. great. You know, I shot a lot, but Coach Anson told me to shoot a lot, and I did it forty-seven percent uh, from of my field goals. Uh, so, you know, it, it was a springboard for me. And it uh, without that, I don't know that I'd have gotten a scholarship. Without that year, uh, I don't know. Uh, I would have probably uh, at least gone to Berea or someplace like that. But, uh, you ended up. Yeah, being... it was it was a wonderful year for me, and and I I tell you what, I love those guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the best best guys that have ever played at Ashland I've ever known. You know, I think of Dick Fillmore, and I think of Monty Campbell, and Jack Polk was one of my neighbors, and we went to school together every day, and just super guys. Harvey Britton, Paul Minsner, uh, we Gary Wright. That that team was just loaded. Uh, not only were good basketball players, but with outstanding individuals. Yeah, you, you, um, yeah, your last um, about let's see, ten of ten of the last eleven games, you led the team in scoring. Um, as you said earlier, uh, of course, you, you all got some revenge on on Booker T. You beat them sixty nine thirty eight in the district. You won the district, beat right, beat Wortland seventy two fifty two. And you advanced to, to the regional tournament in, in Mount Sterling. You got a tough draw. You got Mount Sterling right off the bat. Yeah, and, uh, that's a good team. Yeah, yeah and, and, but you beat them pretty handily, 54-36. You had 24. And then uh, you guys lost in the semis to, to Clark, 49-47. to 47. Right. Uh, I'm sure that was a heartbreaker. So yeah, this, this, really this team could have won the region. I mean, certainly good enough to have won the good region. Enough on, yeah, yeah. Vinny, you know, things – you got to be good and you got to be lucky. Yeah. And uh, uh, we were good, but uh, we had a bit of bad luck because there were three outstanding teams in our region. Yeah, and Clark County was one of them. So you uh, you ended up though, and this is as we said earlier about Allstate, and you know, like Howard Humphreys not being Allstate probably could have been if had you had they made had that team you know made it to the to the Sweet 16. Even though you guys didn't, you were 13 Allstate Courier Journal, and uh, that's right. that's pretty impressive. I mean to you know, to to be on that team, uh, I, I I was I was very proud of that and very happy to be there. And I was picked on the East West All Star team, but the uh, Western freshman coach that had just been hired, Eck Branham, was All Star director. And once I had committed to Western, 
back then you could commit, and then if somebody else wanted to sign you, they could if it wasn't in the OVC. Uh, he was the freshman coach at Western, and Coach Diddle said uh, he didn't want me out there playing in any All-Star games because okay. I, I was going to Western. But That's interesting. He didn't want other people to see it. I'd already signed with them. But, right. uh, so I, I didn't play in the All-Star game. I was a little disappointed about that because I had been picked. But interesting. Um, so, so that kind of, we'll, we'll get into your college shortly, but that, that concludes your, your high school, your Tomcat career in, in basketball right. and, and, uh, kind of some ups and downs overall, I guess, you know, uh, some, some what ifs are in there, no doubt. Uh, but you know, as you conclude with, a, uh, I think your 23.3 is fourth all time or fifth, fourth or fifth. Right. I can't remember. Uh, and that's pretty cool when you think that's, that you set your mark, you know, uh, what, 60 years ago, you know, and right. and uh, it's still standing that high. So that you know, what a great season that was. Uh, well, I tell you what, I I just loved my three years playing for the Tomcats, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. It kind of it kind of set me up for my whole life, to be honest with you. Yeah. So you 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 all hit the baseball field. You you played baseball every year uh, for the yeah. Tomcats as well. You're a, a CP1 Hall of Fame selection a couple of years ago. And, and uh, very deserved for that. Uh, so let's let's talk baseball a little bit. Tomcat baseball, how how that uh, impacted you and, and some of the guys maybe you played with on that on that team. Well, my my first year, my sophomore year, uh, Herb Dick and I uh, made the varsity, and Gary Wright as a freshman uh, was a starter, and uh, Coach Ted Beam was our coach that year, uh, and. Uh, we had a very good team. Uh, we uh, should have gone to state. I'll get to that in a second. But we uh, we had an outstanding season. Uh, one of the first games that I pitched was against Russell. Uh, and uh, i got to tell you a story or two about that because Mickey Seidenstricker was the center fielder on Russell's team. And the first time we played Russell in Central Park, uh, Seidenstricker, first time up hit a hit a, just a, a line drive at Gary Wright for the first out. Uh, and the second time he was up, uh, he hit a, a grounder. No, excuse me, the second time he was up, uh, he uh, he was kind of mad because, you know, he had hit the ball so well and right at somebody the first time. It was very important at bat for him, and uh, the, the, the game was really tight. Russell had a great baseball team. And so he comes up, and Patton – who was my catcher, and by the way, Patton was an outstanding baseball player and, and as well as basketball, but he's the best catcher I ever threw to. Patton stands up and he comes out in front of the home plate, and he looks out the center field of Jimmy Meek and he waves him back, you know, get on back. So then, okay, Meeks goes back several steps. He's out there pretty far. You know, we didn't have any fences back then, so you could go all the way to the ice plant if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> and... uh so then Patton starts to take his position again. He looks out and he gets back up and comes back out. And I think he's trying to psych Seidenstricker, but he waves Meek on further out. So Jimmy takes a few more. Jimmy Meek takes a few more steps back. And I thought, man, a lot. This makes me look pretty bad, you know. But anyway, Patton goes back and then Coach Bean comes out of the dugout. True story. Coach Bean comes out and looks out to Meek and waves him back. And by this time, I can't hardly see him, but I'm really upset now. So, uh, 
I look out to Meek and I say, Zach. So I wave him back a step. He's so far out you could barely see him anyway. I threw the ball to Seidenstricker, and on the second pitch, and I, I was a curveball pitcher, so I just uh, kept throwing curves. On the second pitch, he hit the highest, furthest pitch that I've ever seen in Central Park. It would have been out of any major league baseball field. Meek didn't move. He was so far out. He must have been 400 feet out. He was so far out. He didn't move. He just looked up. The ball was the highest one I've ever seen. It's coming down. He didn't move. It was right in his glove. The longest side stricker's going around first when he catches it, and he looks over at me, and he says, are you kidding me? (laughs) That's unbelievable stuff. That's good. All right, in the next next at back for Seiden Stricker, uh, this was the highlight of uh, maybe my whole sophomore year. Uh, we got two strikes on him. They they were threatening to score. They got we got two strikes on him. Patton puts down one. I'd been throwing curveballs. Uh, he puts down one. That's my fastball. I shook him off. He put it down there again. I shook him off again. He comes out and he said, I want you to throw a fastball. He's laying on the curve. You know he is. And I said, okay. So he goes back, and I throw a fastball a little bit in tight, right over the plate, and Seidenstruck just looked at it because nobody in the world thought I was going to throw a fastball. And we struck him out, and we won the game 4-3. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, Unbelievable stuff. That's good stuff. Now, now I know – Herb Pitts, um, he played third, right? Yeah, Herb played third. Dick played short when I was pitching. And then when Dick would be pitching, I'd go over to short. And when Herb would okay. be pitching, I'd go to third. Uh, frankly, uh, Herb and I did most of the pitching as sophomores. So okay. we rotated pitching in third. Dick pitched a game or two. Herb, of course, Herb told the story of, of how he uh, he was pitching, and uh, I guess the bases were loaded. And, and, of course, he threw nothing but fastballs. And uh, so, of course, Patton gave him, you know, the sign for the one for a fastball, and Herb shook him off, and he put the finger down again, and Herb shook him off, and put the put finger down again, shook him off, finally put down, finally came out and said, Herb, you, you, you don't know how to throw a curveball. You know? <laughs> and, and he said, well, I want to try. So he went back, and he threw a curveball, and he hit the guy, and uh, and it brought in the winning run. <laughs> Yeah, last time I throw a curveball. That was uh, the semifinals. That was the second game of the regionals. Oh wow! And uh, we should have gone to state that year. I uh, I'd pitched the first game and we beat Winchester, and the second game against Paintsville, Herb pitched, and I was going to pitch the third game, which uh, uh, we never got to. But uh, yeah, Yeah. well, you know, you know, Herb, uh, he's going to do what he wants to do. That's okay. That's a funny story, and he tells yeah. it better than anybody. Yeah. He does, for sure. So right. your junior year, um, did you guys go to state as junior when you were junior? Yes. Yeah, okay. we did. Yeah. And, and who did you play in the state tournament? We played Owensboro in the state tournament, and uh, they had a very good team. Of course, that was the year of Alan Smith mm-hmm. and Maysville. And uh, – Alan Smith was untouchable, as you probably know. He mm-hmm. he pitched four straight games. That was the last time they let anybody do that. But wow. he pitched four straight games in the state tournament and won all four of them. Oh, my goodness. 
Yeah, how anybody could do that, I don't know. But yeah, we played Owensboro in the first round, and they had a nice team. There were several uh, good teams in the state that year, and they beat us in a close game. Uh, that was another mistake I made. Patton, uh, Owensboro had a, a really nice hitter named Pew, and uh, it was a real tight game. Pew was up with a couple of men on, and Patton kept uh, calling for my fastball, and I wouldn't throw it, and I kept shaking him off, and I finally said, because Pew was right-handed, and I wanted to throw the curveball, and he proceeded to hit it off the left field wall and stole field and drove in three runs. So, nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So, um, then your senior year, you all, how far did you get? Well, we didn't get very far. We played one game. We got beat in the first game of the district to Louisa. Uh, Louisa had a nice little ball club, but they had a little left-handed pitcher that was very, very good pitcher. We could not score. We couldn't get any hits. You know, we had we had a whole team full of 340 hitters. Yeah. And, you know, we had guys like Conley and Fillmore and, and Mike Jackson that year. And we had Harold Sargent on that team in left field. Yeah. We had Jim Speaks in right field and did some pitching. And we had H.F. Dixon, who was – you know, an outstanding center fielder and great hitter. We and Jack Pope was our catcher. We were ready, but we couldn't hit that guy. <laughs> and uh, I know I heard Dick say he had blood on the ball, uh, that he put blood on the ball, and that's why he was so hard to hit. That's funny. I was pitching that day too, and we were only allowed two balls back then, unless <laughs> unless the dog ran off with one of them or something. And, uh, I didn't see any blood on the ball, but. Uh, he might as well have had anything he wanted on it because we couldn't hit him. Not like you had Tomcat blood on the ball for sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So that that kind of wraps up your 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 high school career. You, I, we talked earlier. You went to to Western Kentucky uh, on a basketball scholarship, and you know Western, of course, in the OBC at the time, and uh, that, that's a pretty prestigious place to go uh, for a basketball player. So you know, uh, kudos to you for that. How did that? How did all that career kind of? Just quickly, how did that career kind of wrap up? Well, uh, I went to Western. Uh, that, I had a, eight or ten offers, and my first choice was not Western, but Ellis Johnson, who, uh, you know, had coached at Moorhead, was a good friend of Coach Diddles, and uh, he came to all of our games, and uh, he was encouraging me to go to Western, and he had told Coach Diddle that he would get me to go to Western. And mm. uh, my dad, when we when he met Coach Diddle at the regional, we uh, was just sold on him, and uh, uh, that's fine with me because Western was a good school, and uh, Charlie Osborne was there, and Charlie was a good friend, uh, had been a good friend. Uh, and uh, so I went to Western and uh, played four years there. My freshman year, I was all OVC, and back then they played freshman teams and a freshman OVC schedule. I and uh, we, uh, we had a good freshman team. Warner Keynes went up there with me went over there with me. He was going to play football and basketball. Hmm. But Coach Diddle liked, sick, liked his height and everything, and he said he was just going to keep him in basketball. But uh, Warner and I both played four years. And uh, hmm. Western, uh, after after my freshman year, uh, I was the third guard, uh, almost always the third guard for the next two years behind two All-Americans and and future pro players for the Kentucky Colonels, Bobby Rasko and Darrell Carrier. Yeah. And I I just couldn't uh, – uh, they were just outstanding players. And 
and back then you probably know this, but most of the teams in Western was really big about if you were a starter, you played almost all the time. Right, right. And, and the other guys played, uh, you know, when somebody got hurt or fouled out or something uh, or mopped up. But uh, Warner and I both uh, had a, you know, a good career. Now, both of us started as seniors. And, uh, we, in fact, we were co-captains uh, the first several games. And uh, uh, after about after five games, uh, in the fifth game, I dislocated my thumb. So then I was out 12 straight games. Mm-hmm. And uh, that uh, that pretty much ended my career. But, you know, it, it was one of the best things I ever did going to Western. We were in the NCAA tournament twice. We lost to Ohio State two times. Uh, wow. I got to, got to play against guys like Lucas and Havlicek and Nate Thurman. And, wow. and just, you know, we played all over the nation and traveled every place. And so we were, yeah, we were we were ranked fourth in two preseason polls in the nation. Uh, my sophomore and junior years, so I, yeah. yeah, I didn't realize that. That's that's really good. Yeah, yeah, uh, I have absolutely no regrets. The Western's a fabulous place, and you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I always yeah. think, you know, make a decision and and go with. I wouldn't quit for anything. Yeah. And a lot of people say, well, why didn't you transfer where you know you could have done your thing in basketball, but. Uh, I just I never quit, and uh, uh, I didn't. And you know I've got my degree in four years. Coach Diddle helped me get a job. Uh, he helped me get the Thomas Jefferson job, and uh, <laughs> I was I went to see him uh, when I was about ready to graduate. I went around his apartment, and uh, I said, Coach, I'm going to graduate, and I'm getting ready to get married in about a week. And he said. Uh, you got any money? And I said, no, not much. I said, but I'm getting married, and and I had the job in Louisville by then, so we were moving to Louisville. He said, uh, go down to Carter's and get whatever you need. Carter's was a men's shop. Mm-hmm. I got my entire wedding outfit, black suit, black tie, my shirts, my my black shoes, and everything. And he, I don't I, whether he paid for it or what, but it was all free. Wow, How, that's, that's kind of guy. That's the kind of guy he was, yeah. Yeah, but the connections you make with people like that are invaluable, you know. And, and oh. like you said, you know, helps that connection help probably helps you get get that job at uh, you know at Jefferson there for sure. Uh, yeah. you, so you coached, how long did you coach high school basketball? I coached three years. I was assistant coach two years, and we Thomas Jefferson. That's that summer actually while I was home for a week. Um, before Leslie and I married and moved to Louisville. I'd already taken the TJ job, Thomas Jefferson. Uh, when I was home for a week, uh, Mr. Shadows called me. And Ashland uh, had a basketball opening that they needed a biology teacher. Well, it so happened I was going to teach biology, and I had a, bi- a minor in biology. And I went down and talked to him. I don't think, any, I don't think anybody knows this. I've never told this story, but... Uh, I went down and talked to Mr. Shadows and uh, Mr. Ellis. And uh, they had talked with Bob Wright, and Bob Wright and I had a good relationship. I'd done some practicing with them and everything. Uh, so he was he was on board with it. And I thought very hard about taking it, but we had committed to Thomas Jefferson. They paid mm, close to $1,000 a year more. That's not much money now, but it was a lot of money back then. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so we decided to... Uh, 
going to Louisville. And uh, but I've often thought, well, what would have happened if I had gone to Ashland? So, what, were you going to be an assistant coach for for Bob? I was going to be Bob's uh, basketball assistant and teach okay. college. Yeah. Wow. And then, of course, yeah. Bob leaves. You, you'd have probably been the head coach. You know. I don't know. <laughs> I've thought about that too because uh, the first year I was head coach at uh, Thomas Jefferson was '66. And Bob Wright had moved on to Moorhead, and Harold yeah. Cole had taken over. Right, yeah. right, and and he had some great teams, you know, through that time frame too. You, oh, you yeah. guys at TJ, did you did you won the region one year, right, or did you? We uh, my uh, the one year's head coach. I was assistant coach two years, and oh, okay. and the head coach got into a little problem, and they moved me up. I was only twenty four years old, <coughs> and uh, twenty five when the season was over, but. We we were loaded. I mean, we had uh, great players, and uh, yeah, we were ranked in the top three in the state all year. Uh, the number one team in the state was Central that year, and uh, they were mm. in our region. And mm. uh, we were ranked second or third. Mayo was always in there. Ashland was in the top eight or ten. Uh, we played Ashland in the middle of the year at our place, and uh, uh, you know we had a really really good team, and it's hard to beat a good team on the road. So. We beat Ashland pretty handily, but uh, I think Ashland, and they were in the state, I think they were definitely one of the top eight teams in the state. Yeah. Was that 69? That season? was 66. 66, okay, yeah. Yeah, that was, right. of course, both, both, the, both the Lynches were on that team, actually. Yeah. Both of them were on there, and uh, Bill played uh, some. Uh, I don't remember yeah. whether Bill started or not, but he might have been starting forward. Yeah, yeah uh, Bill and Bob, they, they both started, actually, and um, – Bob yeah, got Bobby in. was a sophomore that year, so he did. Yeah. He was on the team, but he didn't play at our place. Okay, you that game, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Right, he kind of he took, he became a starter later in the year, and and he, but he right. was hurt at the state tournament. They had to carry him out on a stretcher. It was, right. it was you know, kind of bad. Right. But anyway, right. kind of in, interesting though how yeah, it's interesting how paths cross, and you know, you, you never know the what ifs and, and, oh, and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, but, you can't. Can't think about that because I, you know, I had a wonderful experience at Thomas Jefferson and the guys yeah. I coached. I had uh, Nathaniel Northington, first black player to ever play football in the SEC. Wow. Uh, I had uh, Bobby Redmond, who's some by some considered the uh, number one football coach in, that ever coached in Kentucky. Wow. Uh, yeah, I had Ron Gathright, who who went on and played for Bob Wright at Moorhead, and. Uh, uh, was all OVC in basketball and football, and is in the Moorhead Hall of Fame. Yeah. And uh, just uh, it goes on and on and on. We had I had uh, two Unsel boys, uh, two of Wesley Unsel's younger brothers, mm. uh, and neither one of them played uh, because they were sophomores and juniors, and we had too many good seniors. But they were on our, our varsity, and yeah, it was one. And because of our record, the principal told me when he gave me the job. There were 56 applicants. Everybody wow. in the state wanted to come to TJ. But he told me when he got me the job, if you really do well and go to state and all that, we won't be able to keep you. I didn't know what he meant at the time. but And he said, if you don't go, well, then we're going to have to let you go. So one way or another, I was probably leaving <laughs> TJ. And yeah. uh, I did get the offer at uh, East Tennessee shortly after the basketball season was over. And, uh, it was full-time assistant basketball coach, and, and mm. I found out when I got there they wanted me to coach tennis too. And so I took that job and, and went right on to Johnson City. Yeah. 
And uh, I know it wasn't, I guess it was at the, the community college where you won your national championships in tennis, right? Well, that was uh, when I came to Florida and we, uh, we, uh, I was at East Tennessee five years. By the way, uh, when I got there, the other assistant coaches had just been hired was from Catlicksburg, Don Eddy. Oh yeah, Don Don Eddie and I coached together uh, uh, several years at East Tennessee. Wonderful, wonderful coach and a wonderful man. Yeah, uh, I coached there five years, and uh, then I went on over to Middle Tennessee as strictly tennis coach for four years, and I was associate professor in the physical education department. Uh, but Leslie and I loved tennis so much, and we read up with it, and we loved Florida. And as soon as I got a uh, offer at Seminole, I took it. And yeah, we wound up winning two national championships. We had five players in around 1985, 86, 87, something like that, were top 100 players in the world. Wow. Uh, that was they. We had four of them in Wimbledon. They were in the U.S. Open. Uh, my number one player was runner-up in the French Open and ranked tenth in the world. And uh, we, yeah, our five, our eight-year record. I coached tennis eight years there, and our eight-year record was. Two hundred and seventy-three and twenty-three. <laughs> wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hard to top that. Yeah, we had uh, we had some awesome teams, and always in the top ten in the nation, and uh, usually in the top three or four. And twice yeah. we won the national. So very impressive. Yeah, I took over as athletic director and department chair the last fourteen or fifteen years of my career, and yeah. and did that, and uh, uh, yeah. wound up having a wonderful career. Uh, 41 years in education, and 38 of those were in college work. Wow, that's tremendous. Well, you've, you've been, uh, uh, you've had a, a, a great life, and uh, congratulations on you and Leslie. A, a, a big anniversary recently here, is that right? Oh, yeah, 57 years. Yeah. 57 yeah. years, that's impressive. Yeah, she, yeah. Says, she says if I'll just straighten up, she'll keep me a little longer. So I, I, I think it's going to work. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, wanna, I wanted to say, uh, She's the love of my life, and I have a wonderful uh, life with her, and, and my wonderful daughter, Kelly, 51, that lives uh, has her own business over in Seminole County. It's about an hour from here, and uh, right. that's basically my family. I have a sister in Fort Pierce that I dearly love, but other yeah. than those four, that's about it for the castle. Well, <laughs> you, you, still, you still have your Tomcat family here, and uh, we, we appreciate the I appreciate the time you've given us, and I've learned a lot, so I know the the listeners on this podcast are going to learn a lot about you, too. So, uh, so Mark, I really appreciate what you do, and I appreciate you as a person. Well, thank you very much, and you've been listening to the Tomcat Podcast, and we hope you'll uh, you'll tune in. After you've listened to this one, you'll tune in to others. Uh, thanks for, for uh, spending your time with us today. We'll see you next time.